everybody, and welcome back to the Fenway Rundown. This is Mass Labs Red Sox podcast, and I'm your host, Chris Cotillo. I want to wish everybody a happy new year. Hopefully 2021 will be a lot better than the horrible 2020 we all went through. Uh, in terms of 2020, uh, generally a pretty bad year for the Red Sox, but there were a lot of bright spots or at least a few late in the season. And one of them is joining us today on the show. So I want to welcome Bobby Dahlbeck uh, for his Fenway Rundown debut. Bobby, uh, how's your winter going? And uh, thanks for hopping on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, you know, uh, winter's going good. Just, uh, you know, trying to stay in shape and build off, um, you know, the end of the season and uh, really looking forward to getting back at it. So uh, I guess, you know, this is a different winter for you than you've ever had before. You know, last year, I think coming in, yeah. you know, you were, there's a chance you're going to compete for a spot. And previously, you know, you've been invited to big league camp, but this is the first time that you are going into the off season, knowing that you have a big league roster spot. Um, almost yeah. definitely. Does that change your preparation at all? Does that change anything and how you approach it? Um, you know, not really. I'm going to treat it the same way. Um, you know, like I don't have that spot. I think that's just kind of how I work. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm, I'm not the guy that's going to get comfortable, um, you know, after a short stint up there. So, you know, I want to uh, solidify myself. So I want to do everything I can to, you know, help me do that. Is there more input? from the Red Sox and, and what this off season is going to look like just because you are in the bigs now? Um, you know, I think it, it's, it's pretty similar. You know, I was very um, involved, you know, communicating with, um, you know, staff members and, um, you know, coordinators and coaches just, uh, you know, checking in, making sure I'm, um, you know, doing things the right way and, uh, you know, not tinkering with stuff too much, but um, you know, we've communicated with the you know staff a lot, just kind of, uh, keeping up with us checking in making sure we're you know getting our stuff done uh, making sure everyone's doing well so um you know it's cool i know that uncertainty is like common now no one really knows what the next day is going to bring and that goes for every industry but um you know last year after spring training shut down you guys all had to train not knowing when opening day was going to be at this yeah. point we're still on track for reporting to fort myers in february but i think in all likelihood it's probably going to be pushed back a little bit um I guess, are you preparing as if you need to be in Fort Myers on February 10th or whenever that date is? Yeah, I usually get out there. Um, you know, I get out to spring training early um, mm -hmm. by nature every year. Um, you know, hopefully I'm allowed to do that. If not, I'll be there as soon as I can. Um, but, you know, the season shutting down last year was weird. I can't believe it's almost been a year since that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that all started. I stayed in Florida for an extra month thinking that this season was just going to start, you know, a month later. And, you know, <laughs> look what happened with that. Mm -hmm. So um pretty wild but um yeah i, I don't know what's gonna happen with it being pushed back or not but you know everyone's just gotta stay ready you know <laughs> yeah i, I want to go back to to last year because obviously um like i like i opened with it was uh, a bad year for the red Sox in almost every aspect but uh i think your your homer streak and your debut and all that stuff were some of the coolest moments of the year for the team um now that we're a few months removed and and you know i think talking to you that day when when we were on you know doing the zoom call with everybody after like you were appreciating how like you were like speechless about you know your home run and your big league debut and that whole day where Moreland gets traded you get called up from Pawtucket drive up yeah. and you arrive right before the game like a few months separated now are you able to appreciate just not just the craziness of what that was like but there being no fans and just everything that was so bizarre about I mean the, the, that was the brightest day in Fenway history I think with the sun like it, I think it might have been maybe the strangest debut a Red Sox has had yeah. in a long time. 
Definitely a memorable one. You know, everyone has their debut story. How'd you get called up? Who told you? And, you know, I can always say that mine is, you know, I was getting ready for BP and at the alternative site in the middle of a global pandemic. And I had to drive to Boston and, you know, show up 25 minutes for the game, then play first base. So it was a pretty, it was a crazy day. I didn't really have a chance to, um, you know, even think about anything that day. But now looking back on it, it's, it that was obviously a really special moment. I wish my family would have been there. Um, but it was, you know, it was, it was a crazy day nonetheless. Yeah, and then, you know, the, the first few weeks, like it was a lot of guys come up, you know, they're, they're kind of eased into things. You obviously, like you said, you showed up, you had 25 minutes, uh, you know, toss you a glove until you're in the lineup. And then basically yeah. for the rest of the year, you were an everyday player. Does that help being just completely thrown into it, you know, and, and not having that, uh, that adjustment time and just like, all right, here, here you go. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, uh, Ron called me when I was halfway on the drive and he asked me if, if I'd be good to start. I'm like, yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll jump in there. It was, it was a crazy day. Um, uh, I, I don't even know how to, I can't even explain it. You know, the feelings that I had during all that thing, you know, I was sweating all the way up on the drive. Um, you know, it was, it was wild. I'm in a rental car that Hart and I rented in a small Dodge red Dodge charger that I, you know, it was just a weird, weird sequence of events. So after that, a couple of weeks later, you go on this, this Homer streak and um, you know, there's, there's all these stats that you're being, you know, mentioned the same breath as like Griffey and, and hall of famers and stuff like that. And uh, you know, yeah. every day you're hitting a Homer and the Red Sox are winning some of these games. But at that point, you know, the team's out of it. Is that, I've always wondered, is that like, an awkward spot to be in where this is like probably the best stretch of your life or, or your career. You're succeeding in the big leagues. Your dreams are coming true. You're yeah. playing really well. And the team is not going anywhere. Do you feel like you have to like temper your celebrations? Is it an awkward feeling at that point? Um, you know, I think, I think the first couple of days you could, I was up there, you could tell it was, it was a little bit weird, but I, I think I just wasn't, um, you know, my head wasn't on straight yet just because I was so um, all over the place from the debut and everything. But, um, you know, I mean, we're, we were, you know, obviously we were out of it last year, but we were pushing guys and carts down, you know, down the tunnel after, right. or down the uh, dugout after a home run and we're way out of it. So, I mean, we, we were playing to win every day and, you know, we were having fun and we were getting after it. So, you know, it, it didn't even feel like we were out of it to me, honestly, you know, we were just having a good time playing baseball. From what I've I've heard, what you told us over the summer, like you seem like you were the guy that came up and basically you kind of took everybody else's stuff. You took Jackie Bradley's bat. You took <laughs> yeah. Kevin Pillar's room. Um, yeah. So was it just it was like uh, everybody was was donating their stuff for you to be able to succeed when you got up, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I got up there and uh, Ben Attendee and Plawecki were just you know they just said, "Why don't you come live with us?" Um, you know, we got two extra rooms now and. You know, that was really good for me, you know, just being able to be around, um, you know, teammates more and not just going back and forth between a hotel like in, um, you know, Pawtucket. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, Jackie, I, I felt his bat before a game. I wasn't playing that day. And I was like, dang, I might take some swings with this. And he, he said, go for it. You can keep it. And, you know, I swung with it before the game uh, or during the game, you know, if, in case I had to pitch it or something. I felt really good. Um, took it in the next day and then, you know, went on a that five game homer streak with it. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll be ordering some of those next year, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, you need him to come back or at least leave his bat to be sent somewhere else. Um, yeah, definitely. So that, that house setup is interesting because I think, you know, generally, you know, during the season, guys 
if they have families live with their families i don't know how common it is for you know big leaguers to live with other big leaguers so that kind of like uh almost like the college days living with teammates what was that like just living in a house with those two guys (laughs) it was cool we had a sweet house um you know it was that that, that you're spot on it was exactly like um you know jumping in with some college roommates like Mm -hmm. hey you want to live with us this year and um it, it was cool um i don't i don't really know i don't think that happens too much in the yeah. at the major league level but minor league level obviously people uh shack up together and bunk up um you know just save money and everything um but you know it was, it was a good experience i'm glad they let me do that and um you know definitely helped me out a lot what were the what were the downtimes like with those guys a lot of like guitar and keyboard and the other stuff you do video games or um yeah I mean, we didn't play i didn't even bring my ps4 this season which is surprising i kind of just <laughs> brought my guitar and i wanted to uh you know learn that and you know, stick with it and uh ben attendee's been learning too so we we kind of mess around and jam a little bit but we kind of just hang out and you know chill out after the games and stuff like that now i've heard and, and we don't get to see this side of him ever because he's he is like extremely uh calculated with the media and he doesn't really let us into his personality but i've heard that he's actually like uh if not a secret party animal and someone who's like actually hilarious and likes to have a good time yeah i don't know about the party animal stuff but um <laughs> he's definitely he's a character you know he's a you know good good guy to be around he's funny you know keeps it light um you know, gave, gave me gave me a little bit of crap for being a rookie. So you know, I go, I take the trash out, and do all that stuff for him. But, um, but but it was cool. You know, he's he's a good dude. So you're homering every day, and you still have to do the chores like that. Oh yeah, yeah. Wow. There's, as soon as I get, yeah, stats don't matter as soon as you get into the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all about service time at that point, right? Yeah, definitely. So I want to go back to the beginning of the year because uh, your beginning of summer camp was. Uh, probably not what you expected. You tested positive for COVID. I believe you didn't have any symptoms at all, right? Yeah, I tested positive in June, like early June, um, and didn't have a symptom the whole time. I uh, went back out, went went back out to Boston, and you know, surprisingly, tested positive again. I didn't think I would test positive at all, and mm-hmm. you know, I ended up being stuck in that hotel room for you know ten, twelve days. Um, it, was, it was pretty brutal. It was pretty brutal. Um, but you know, I I I, did, I just I tried to split the room in half. There's a curtain in the middle of it, so I feel like I had two rooms. Um, but, uh, <laughs> it's that, that a, it's suddenly a suite. Yeah, yeah, it, it worked. That worked for a couple hours, and then um, and then yeah. So it, it was a grind um, early in summer camp. But uh, coming back, I felt pretty good coming back. Um, obviously, I couldn't do too much conditioning in a hotel room, so. Mm-hmm um you know that was the only tough thing coming back i think was just a little bit of running first couple of days of running but other than that i felt great and i know you're a professional athlete so the risk factor is probably low but when you get that diagnosis even though you feel fine were you nervous at that point um i was a little nervous at first just because i didn't know if it was going to kick in like the first couple or the first couple of days after i tested positive i didn't know right. if it was going to set in or if something was going to happen but you know i was smooth sailing for me um you know fortunately other people have not been as fortunate as me you know dealing with this virus so i'm you know mm-hmm. just thankful that thankful that you know my body reacted to it the way that it did yeah and i will say i think it was impressive that you know the red sox a lot of other teams didn't have this but the red sox after summer camp went through the whole season with zero positive tests between the roster, the coaching staff. Uh, so I thought that was clear that you yeah. guys really cared about the protocols, especially during the regular season. Yeah. 
definitely we took it um you know very 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 seriously um you know and the staff did a great job um you know nick kuchwara um you know kind of handling all that you know being thrown into that with not really knowing what to do in the beginning and mm-hmm. learning on the fly he did a great job you know he crushed it um and the whole staff crushed it you know there's not just one person that made it happen i think it was a collective um you know staff group front office all that stuff that made it all happen so i, I want to transition to to the now and and what we've seen so far this winter obviously there's been a couple of smaller moves hunter renfro matt andres um yeah and their the red Sox are obviously in on a ton of different guys but the big news that they did make early in the winter is a pretty unsurprising move but bringing back alex cora as the manager i was looking at it uh, last night and i think only like 15 or 16 guys on the 40-man roster actually have played a big league game for cora and considering that he was only gone for a year that's kind of wild to think about how much turnover there is um, yeah, definitely. Uh, what was your reaction to him being back? It didn't feel like it was necessarily a surprise, but for you, uh, one of the guys that's not actually played for him in the big league. So uh, definitely yeah. a transition upcoming. Yeah, I was, I was fired up. I, I shot him a text. Um, you know, just we've we've talked a little bit, obviously, in yeah. big league camp the last couple of years. And he was doing ESPN when I was in the College World Series and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So he seemed I've been around him uh, a little bit, but, um, you know, I was fired up. You know, a great dude. Obviously, I haven't played for him, but I've heard nothing but great things. I think everyone's excited. You know, I'm really looking forward to playing playing for him. It seemed like you guys all really did like playing for Ron, but at, at the same time, like, did it feel like there was a void there where, you know, you think about the veterans on the team, Bogarts, and, and not that these guys are old veterans, but Bogarts, Endeavors, and, and Vasquez, Rodriguez, those guys, like, swore by Cora. They won a World Series with him. They loved yeah. him. They really were you know, openly publicly pining for him to come back after Ron was fired. So did it feel like, you know, there was a, a tangible void there that Alex was not part of that? Um, you know, I don't think it's hard for me to say just because I haven't played for Cora mm-hmm. um, in a, you know, in a season with traveling and, you know, 25 guys on a team. But, um, you know, I mean, Ron, Ron's, Ron's amazing, you know, he's a great baseball mind, you know, he's been in, been in the game for a long time. Um, you know, well-respected, you know, I'm really, really glad that I, you know, got to play for him um, as long as I did. Um, but, you know, I think everyone's excited for Corey, you know, it's a weird year, I think, fresh start, um, yeah, kind of a thing, you know, some new faces, I think it, it'll be, it'll be awesome, you know, like spring training will be exciting. Um, you know, I hope to uh, see, see Ron soon down the line. Uh, and talking to Alex, and he actually came on here a few weeks ago, and, and we talked about you a little bit. And he he kind of says it kiddingly, but every time he says it kiddingly, kiddingly, I think he he means it a little bit deep down that he wants to turn you into a two way player. Yeah, and, um, uh, that comes from that comes from Omaha, I think. When as you said, he he was a yeah. broadcaster for when you were on the bump for Arizona, and uh, he I think since that day has thought I, I, this guy could be a big league pitcher. So um, I, it's it's a it's a, I think a secret obsession of his. Yeah, you know, um, I, it hasn't been brought up to me as much as you'd think or as people would think, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember when uh, Bannister was, you know, with us, he he kind of would talk to me about my, you know, spin spin rate on my curveball <laughs> and stuff like that. And I'd be like, you know, I'd mess around and joke and be like, hey, yeah, I have a bullpen today. I'll throw a bullpen today. But mm-hmm. um, nothing's really, they've, they've never forced it or made it a, an actual thing, but if it ever did come up and, you know, I was needed to do that and my arm was healthy and in shape, uh, you know, to pitch, then, you know, I, I mean, I'll give it a go. Do you think but there's I, any, I, I like any chance that, of that? 
Uh, you never know, honestly. I couldn't <laughs> even tell. I think if it was, you know, if it was a necessary thing and, um, you know, but, you know, there's a lot of pitchers that are, you know, a lot better than me at pitching. So, um, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I like swinging the bat and playing, playing defense and, you know, driving guys in. So hopefully I can do that enough to where I don't have to pitch. But, you know, if necessary, then, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. Yeah, this time next year we're going to be talking about you as the East Coast Otani. So, um, I, I, Alex, Alex had said it at uh, one point on the podcast that when he sent you down uh, last year, he said, you know, if you pick up pitching, we have a roster spot for you. Do you remember that? I think he was, yeah. he was kidding at that point, obviously. But Yeah, I think he was kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's um, good stuff, though. You never know. Yeah, and when we're seeing the game move toward some of those guys. So you're right. Uh, you never know. When you were coming out of college, that was – it was – was it a split? I know actually Verdugo kind of had the same thing coming out of high school in the draft. Like people looked yeah. at him as a pitcher some at some points too. Um, was it kind of split how teams valued you? It kind of seems like from what I've read that your preference was to, you know, be a position player and, and uh, yeah. play the corners. Yeah. You know, I, you know, um, especially my junior year stats wise, I definitely was a better pitcher that year. Um, but I knew I always wanted to hit. I knew I could hit and believe in myself you know, um, you know, being a position player. So I just stuck with that. Um, during the draft, I was very firm on um, not wanting to pitch. And, you know, I want to go in as a position player um, mm -hmm. in this draft. So I don't know um, if that, you know, affected where I got drafted or not. But, you know, I'm happy, you know, how, how everything worked out. In terms of positions, I think there's been kind of a question this year, this offseason that's come up. Uh, we all saw that, you know, Rafael Devers struggled at times at third. Um, that's a position that you're very comfortable with. Have they yeah. talked to you about, you know, keeping or getting reps at third, keeping that position open? I know that it's something that you complete, haven't completely abandoned, but I, I think there is at least a small possibility of a switch between you guys. Has that been something that's been brought up? Um, no, honestly, it hasn't. You know, I think um, – for, you know, Roth is a, you know, a great defender when he's, when he's right. And, um, you know, I think he can get back, get back there. It was just a weird year again, you know, JD, I don't even know what JD hit, but you know, yeah. that's not JD Martinez. That's not Devers playing third. That's not, you know, Benny hitting, that's not Benny, you know, it's just a toss up year. And, um, you know, I, I, they want me to be versatile. So I, I'm going to take my, you know, get my reps in at first and, you know, it's, um just still stay smooth and clean over at third and you know i'll try to take some fly balls because you never know you never know what could happen so i think versatility is obviously huge but you know definitely more logged more innings at third base in my life than i have at first base right i think every player answers this question the same way by saying they don't like to read rumors or anything like that but during the winter the red sox like i said i've been in on a ton of different guys whether it's been pitching or now some second base options or just different upgrades to the roster your yeah. name's not you know directly involved in these rumors but are you keeping track of like you know what the team's doing who they're signing are the group messages blowing up about possibilities stuff like that um you know we don't really have any group message or anything i kind of <laughs> see everything on instagram or twitter and i'll mm -hmm. be like oh we got uh, you know we got a you know we got renfro today on <laughs> awesome you know yeah kind of one of those things but um but yeah i mean if there's a rumor out or something like that my my parents usually my dad will text me and be like hey did you see this <laughs> but you know I, i'm not really uh um super super locked in just with other stuff i have going on right now but i'm definitely keeping up with everything i want to just get to a couple things about you know your goals for 2021 obviously gonna be a lot more games than there were in 2020 um this will be you know i think 
the Red Sox hope to at least be competitive. So a little bit of a different situation. And, and hopefully we'll have fans in the stands at some point. Um, there was, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but Bill James, uh, the famous statistician, came out with his projections for 2021. I think he had you at 37 homers and 92 RBI. Uh, yeah. Which uh, I, I believe that was right around, you know, what JD was doing. But um, to see that for you, almost 40 homers in your first real complete big league season as a projection like is that is is home run totals even a goal or what were your thoughts on on kind of that prediction for yourself um you know i mean obviously i'd like to hit home runs um it's, that's no secret um but um uh, you know i'm not going i'm i'm not going up there trying to or my mindset going into the season isn't a you know a 40 um for homers yeah. you know i just want to I, I i'm I, which it used to be that kind of used to be my thing i would set like I want to hit this many home runs, drive this many guys in, but it's kind of hard to control all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's hard to, you know, put lofty goals like that. And, um, you know, especially in this game, you know, where you don't succeed, you know, as much, sometimes it feels like you never do. Um, So I I just kind of go in there trying to take it day by day, just get better every day. You know, I know that um, the numbers will show up if I take care of, you know, my routine and um, you know, my brain of, you know, just trying to stay simple and consistent. It, for you, you're still eligible for the rookie of the year, I believe. Is that a goal? I mean, do you set award goals like that? Yeah, I'm, I'd like to. You know, obviously, I, I say it like nonchalant, like, yeah, I'd like to win that. But <laughs> yeah, um, that's, no one would yeah, say they didn't want to. So. Yeah, yeah, obviously, um, it'd be awesome to win it. Um, but you know, and I believe I could. You know, I have the ability to. But that's that goes along with the same thing as setting big lofty you know number goals you just got to take it day by day and if um you know if i end up you know having to you know being the rookie that you know is qualified and they select me then that's awesome if not then um you know get it rolling next year i think you're you're it's clear that you know your reputation at least with fans and and so far is like that boomer bust guy just based on on what yeah. the numbers have been with home runs and strikeouts i mean that's the yeah, true outcomes is that how you view yourself as a hitter or do you view yourself differently um i i view myself differently but i completely understand why i'm viewed like that obviously i the clip i struck out at you know my debut is not where i want it to be and that's not me either i always punch out quite a bit when I get to a new level. And then, mm-hmm. um, you know, once I get my feet settled, I start to figure these guys out, get my rhythm, then it's, um, and it starts to feel normal again. Obviously it's a little bit different with the stuff that guys have in the big leagues, yeah. um, you know, more consistently, obviously there's guys that have that kind of stuff in the minor leagues that we face every year, but there's not six of them in a bullpen in, in the minor leagues. There's only one of them. So it's just kind of, you know, JD even talked to me about it. You just got to do your homework. You got to know what guys do, how they like to get you out. Uh, you know, guys like me out, um, what patterns they're going to fall into. So, um, you know, game planning, and all that stuff is, you know, the a big thing that I need to focus on next year. I, I haven't been that great of a uh, game planner in the minor leagues, but the last last uh, week of the season or so, I kind of um, uh, was JD's apprentice when it came to game planning. So he kind of showed me how he went about it. And I liked it a lot. So I'm going to try to continue to pick his brain and get better at that. Is there like off-season homework you can do where you study pitchers in the division, study guys you know you're going to face? Um, yeah, you know, just kind of look at them. I'll probably start doing that later um, mm-hmm. in the off-season. Um, but I also got like one of those new virtual reality Oculus setup things, and hopefully that'll 
be cool because you're supposed to be able to have it's supposed to be like actual major league pitchers um you know what it, what it what it looks like in a virtual reality thing so wow. hopefully that'll work out but i'll try it out see how that goes i didn't know that existed but that sounds like yeah it's pretty, pretty valuable. cool it's called uh it's called win win vr um okay. it's pretty sweet i think uh i think i maybe pete alonzo's on it i know dansby is just seen on their instagram and social media and stuff it looks pretty cool so i gotta get that thing rolling yeah perfect perfect thing when you know we're probably not gonna be able to leave the house in a couple of weeks anyway again so that's yeah, uh, that's a good setup i do want to end yeah. with uh I, I know that you you could talk baseball all day but you do uh your other passion is music i know there's been a lot of articles written about it um yeah your dad is correct me if i'm wrong but the vp of promotions for atlantic records is that right yeah, he's, he's one of them. Um, they have a bunch because they have an East Coast office and a West Coast and a bunch okay. of freelancers. Um, he just works out of the house in Denver. Um, mm -hmm. But, um, you know, he handles a lot of stuff. You know, he's been, I think it's his 36th or 37th year with Atlantic Records. So, wow. Um, something like that. It's Yeah, he's, he's been in the game for quite, quite a while. So you've been, I mean, you have talked about, you know, a, a career in music post-baseball. I'll get to that in a sec. But, um you how many instruments do you play now i know keyboard i know you picked up the guitar um and where do you rank yourself among some teammates who also play i know you said ben attendee did I, I don't know if you uh ever got to see brock holt but i know he was into it too but where do you rank on the red Sox in terms of mu musicians uh i'm not sure i know colton like colton brewer he he's really good at guitar i've heard i haven't oh, seen yeah. him play but somebody told me he's really good um ben, benny's learning um I, I wouldn't say i know how to play the keyboard i kind of could just um mm -hmm. watch people play stuff and try to learn it just like fun songs but i've definitely um you know studied up on guitar when it comes to music theory and all that stuff so I don't know where we all rank. Maybe we can get a band going. <laughs> we, just need a, we need a drummer. Maybe I'll go get a bass. I'll learn bass and we can get a drummer or something like that. <laughs> oh, there you go. Well, when you talk about wanting a career in music after baseball, what does that look like? Um, I don't know. Um, whether it's playing an instrument, I don't know if I'd be capable of doing that. I, the, those dudes have played since they were eight, eight years old, I feel like. Mm-hmm um that'd be like one of them saying yeah i want to take up baseball after <laughs> after i uh you know finish touring um but um you know I, I just involved in it anyway whether it's production or what my dad does would be cool any anything involved in it i just like being around live music um so you know if i can be around it I, i'd be happy that must be obviously no concerts going on that must be uh one of the most difficult parts of this whole thing for you yeah, it's, it's been pretty tough. There's definitely some good ones. Um, you know, I was looking forward to going. I think there was a big, um, there was a big festival. I think it was called Boston Calling. Boston Calling, yeah. Like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it was Foo Fighters, Red Hot Chili Peppers, and Rage Against the Machine headlining on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I was looking forward to that, definitely, but that got shut down. But, you know, it, it'll come back. You know, just got to make live music in my bedroom now, I guess. <laughs> Well, 37 homers and a rookie of the year next year. I was going to say they can probably get you free concert tickets, but I bet you're already at that point anyway. So that'd be um, nice. Yeah, I'll, I love free free concert tickets are the best thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's Bobby Dahlbeck uh, heading into his first full season with the Red Sox. Bobby, thanks for the time and uh, happy New Year. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy New Year. Stay safe.